Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. It's the season. It's the preseason, but it's the season. We made it. We made it through the offseason. I said last week it was our last show of the offseason, and I was not lying. They played a game. There's another one tonight. Uh, We have hockey to talk about, so let's get right into it. Uh, Let's lead things off with the fly by yourself, Kelly Hinkle. I would just like to say, as we enter into the midway point of this preseason, pretty much, sort of, um, that it's okay to be excited about preseason games, and it's okay to analyze the play of the players. It's okay to consider what the way they're playing means. I was running the Broad Street Hockey Twitter account during the first preseason game, and there was a lot of, who cares, it's preseason, and like, to an extent. True. Who cares? It's preseason. But tell also, that to a, to, tell that to an Eagles fan. <laughs> I mean, also, there's like, you know, there's value to these games. There's things that we're learning. There's stuff that we're seeing. And I think it's okay to, like, be super pumped about the Flyers scoring a goal in the preseason. Let people have fun is the point of this. Yeah, and especially, me. like, do I care what Claude Giroux or Sean Couturier do in these games? I do not, because I know that they're, like, going to be first-line caliber NHL players. But, uh, you know, when I see Maxime Shushko score a goal, I think, oh, that's good. Because he might draw into the lineup at some point, and, like, having just a little bit of a baseline of success, like, that's better than, I don't know, some other bum who doesn't. I, it's... Like, am I excited about preseason games? No, because people are tweeting me like, hey, you doing post-game tonight? I'm like, no, I'm about to oh, do 80 Lord. fucking two of these, hopefully 100. <laughs> like, I'm not doing them for every preseason game. But, like, I, you know, I am going to pay attention, and it, it, it's better to have hockey than not have hockey. Like, are people supposed to be like, oh, the Flyers are on, fuck that. Like, what's the, what's the proper emotion if excitement isn't it? Great. I love... I love watching the bubble guys. Yeah, that's make what it's for. To be on the team. I think that that's my favorite thing in the world. Igor Zabula, first goal of the 2021-22 preseason, I guess. Um, that was cool, though. And I was watching the game, and I was like, oh, I don't love how they all look together, and then realized that I only recognized four or five of the names so that was just fine. I had to have who Nick Sealer was explained to me. He's not even real. I wouldn't worry about it. No, he's made up. I'm convinced that it's a fake name. From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Hey, everybody. So I have decided that, and this is something that probably has always annoyed me, but it's reached an entirely <laughs> new level. This offseason and the lead into this season. Uh-oh. I am so sick 
and tired of the New York Islanders and Lou Lamorello in particular. <laughs> I am just I, I'm I am so sick of him because like yes you you want to hear something crazy? We are what like a week a week and a half into training camp training camp okay. We still do not know what Zach Parise's contract is because Lou Lamorello will not reveal how much he is paying Zach Parise, who is skating in camp and is they they're like, we signed him, but we're not telling you. And agents are so terrified of Lou Lamorello that they will not reveal to anyone in media what Zach Parise's cap hit is. So if you go on Cap Friendly, it says that Zach Parise is signed, but you have no idea how much he signed for. And the league doesn't have the guts to just call Lou and be like, stop being an asshole and release how much this guy is getting paid. Like, Lou Lamorello has reached an entirely new level of, like, I don't give a shit. I'm doing whatever the hell I want, and no one has the guts to call me on it. And it's infuriating because it's like every single team has to follow one set of rules in terms of, like, promoting the game and allowing fans to do, like, cap projections and whatnot. And Lou Lamorello can do whatever the hell he wants, and no one seems to care. And I'm just tired of it because it is, like, it. it's, like— as the Islanders have gotten better, Lou is like pushing the envelope more and more and more as to what he can get away with, and the league is just letting him do it. And I'm sick of it. Well, he's had so well, much success because he's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers, and then he's won all those cups as a result. I mean, on the first day. Oh wait. <laughs> on the first day of the season, it has to come out, right? Does like, it? I mean, I thought it would have to come out the first day of training camp, but apparently not. I mean, yeah, I mean, this goes back to, remember a couple of years ago when uh, they asked uh, Bettman about, like, a league, basically like an NHL.com cap-friendly sort of site, and he was like, I don't think anyone would have any interest in that. A like, lot of people is, would. Yeah, well, they don't give a shit, though, so he just said no one would care. Like, this kind of gets to that, like, the NHL, like, doesn't, the interest in it doesn't expand because they don't lean into, like, anything that their fans like which is shit like this <laughs> like no like oh yeah people are into this yeah well it's none of their fucking business how about that meanwhile like lebron james shadow owns uh, an agency and like picks his own all-star team and it's all good because the nba is like a huge deal and the nhl is basically like lacrosse at this point um they're on espn plus though so i'm sure everything will work out but it, it is it is fuck it like i just hate the island god damn it like, God damn it! Of course, like, and it's just preseason, it doesn't actually matter. Of course they beat us in overtime. Of course oh, they so did. Of course they, they did. did. Of course they did. I had the over in the game, we them. only get five goals. I Everything about it was... I, I just, I, to, to right me... Right back where we started from. Like, to me, they are, they have, they they are, to me, the least like likable hockey team right now. Oh, and and I and I acknowledge that's in part because they've beaten up the Flyers over the last couple of years. But like, I just I can't. I Lou bothers me so much because, as I said, it seems like there's one set of rules for everyone else, and there's a separate set of rules for Lou, who I still have not yet forgiven and never will forgive for, by the way, ruining hockey in the '90s mm. with the Devils. That's, that's small on, detail. That that's on his like his resume and will never go away. He can yeah, never like, be redeemed for ruining hockey. The entire reason we can't have like Morgan Frost fourth liner is this. It's this guy. Like, nah, we need we need bump and grind fourth line and nothing else. 
Like, this is who, this is what hockey is. Maybe he's not good enough, but he hits, so he's on the fourth line. Like, and that's just, that's just the kind of, that's just what they want out of the game, I guess. Like, the league allows every, allows him to get away with everything, so it must be what they want. Last, but certainly not least, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. I just wanted to echo fuck Lou. Like, fuck that guy. I could spend an hour, folks. Um, Do we need to fill the hour? Because I can keep going. Go right ahead. We could, we could continue for the whole hour. <laughs> um, I think that it's really cool and good, and there's no sarcasm here, um, that the league is, or at least we know through media sources, who's vaccinated and who's not. Like, which jackass refuses to get I'm vaccinated. I'm so tired of hearing about it. So tired. I know that you are, but I it tickles me. It tickles me because want... it's exactly it's exactly the selfish assholes that you would expect to not be vaccinated that are not vaccinated. And I'm saying this on a platform that has thousands of listeners and if you are not vaccinated, you are an asshole. Like period. I don't care what Co-signed. your reasoning is. It's a bad reason. I just don't care. This, like, get it? Don't get it? I don't need this to be a part of my hockey. Like, I watch sports not for this. Yeah, no, that's that's what a lot of white people say when there's things happening in their sports that they don't like, so they don't well, want to hear about it. Yeah, I but, would. Um, I would say maybe pay attention to the NBA a little bit if you want to know about who's vaccinated and unvaccinated and the race lines that falls along a line. I don't have the time to pay attention to more than one just, sport I just, at the moment. I'm just saying it's it's like it's not about that. It's just a bit like what it's the about. Fu- I wasn't no no no. I wasn't stupid. talking about race and the vaccine. I was saying that. I don't watch sports because I don't want this in my sport is what white people say to bury their head in the sand. Yeah, I just, I don't think it has anything to do with white like people. I around think it's, I think it's kneeling specifically. I just think. Kneeling for the anthem. Okay. And that's like, that's its own. This isn't about protesting or politics or anything. I just don't care what people that I watch on television to see skate really fast and shoot really hard. Like what sort of medical decisions they make. I'm tired of hearing about it. I want to hear about hockey. Like, I like hockey. Because it's not a medical decision. That's the thing. Well, like, it's it is. a community decision, sure. and you cannot do your job people aren't in my if you're not vaccinated so because you cannot get into Canada. Well, that's their problem, then. I care insofar get... as it's going to affect the hockey, but thankfully it's not going to affect the Flyers at all. So Yeah, that's, that's like, they're not in my community. I don't care. They, it, I just don't I care. I just wanted to laugh at Zach Ronaldo, guys. But that's it, like, Can Zach, please? the thing, it'll get taken out on Zach Ronaldo because he stinks. But, like, a good player, guess what they're not going to do? Tell a, a good player not to come to camp. Like, that's just not going to happen. Like, they just, like, the coach is like, oh, good, we don't have the guy who was once suspended in two leagues at the same time. That's probably good for us. I forgot time. about that. People do not talk about this enough. He was suspended in two leagues at the same time. It's pretty awesome, honestly. Like, it takes a real That's it. I just wanted to laugh at Zach Ronaldo. I really, really didn't want to get into a deeper conversation because that's a lot of energy. But I wanted to laugh at Zach Ronaldo for being a dick. I mean, the thing is, is that every player that isn't vaccinated is going to have to miss games, not just because of the possibility of getting COVID. It's because they won't be able to play any games in Canada. 
So I just said that purely, purely from a business standpoint, like you just get the damn vaccine. Is that actually happening though? I thought it was yes. like in the in the yeah. public interest. We're going to allow people in. So the the thing is, is that other leagues have applied for a um, national interest exception um, so that they could come to Canada, like NBA teams and whatnot. The NHL has not applied for it because the NHL is like, we're not going to bail you out, get the damn shot. Which honestly is the right move. I love that. Thank you, NHL, for doing something good once. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I just, like, whatever. All right, it's a couple of games. I mean, Everyone's if, look, some games. yeah, I mean, if Tyler Bertuzzi can't play in, you know, 10-something games, I mean, not that anybody expected that the Detroit Red Wings were going to be good, but let's say they miraculously are good, that's going to hurt the team dramatically. I mean, this is one of the things with, with hockey, and we've talked about this in the show, is that, you know, the, the, the concept of hockey culture with, you know, the team above everything and you know, just just do everything for the good of the team. Like, it has some toxic elements to it, without a doubt, because, you know, it results in, you know, things getting swept under the rug and problems not being addressed and people not, you know, being allowed to, you know, stand out uh, in any way because it's taking the glory away from the team. Like, there's bad parts of it. This, to me, is one of, like, the positive applications of it, where it's like, hey, get vaccinated, even if you're, you, you, even if you have, you know, skepticism driven from Facebook videos that you've watched or whatever, or your political leanings, like do it for the good of the team. And I think that's a huge reason why the response and the, the, you know, the, the league wide percentage in terms of vaccination rate is so high, because I guarantee you there are players that probably didn't want to get the vaccine, but we're like, well, you know what? I got to do this for the team. And that's why I think most teams are going to end up being hundred percent. It's because of that element of hockey culture, which in this case, is actually doing a good thing because it's a good thing that everyone gets the vaccine so that we hopefully can go back to even more close to normal than we are now. That would be great. So let's get into some of the hockey now that that's all out of the way. Uh, I just want to say now that uh, now that the Philly season is all but officially over, it's Flyers season. Go Flyers. Uh, Frankie, I won't see you until uh, after you've listened to this podcast. So... I've got my coffee here. Let's pretend there's Jameson in it. Go Flyers. All right. Um, They've played a preseason game. There's another one tonight. And just looking at the composition of this roster, I know we always get psyched up for camp battles. Maybe some youngsters will make the team. But just kind of looking at it, the roster's set, isn't it? Like, seems like it. It's especially like with Hayes. And uh, the injuries that there have been, it just kind of seems like everyone slots into a spot right now. Um, are we expecting any chance of surprises with this roster? Or do we think basically what the consensus is is what's going to happen? I mean, I think it depends on your definition of surprises. Like, you know, there's still battles going on. I think the Flyers ideally would like to have a seventh defenseman, especially if they plan to put Kevin Hayes on long-term IR. Uh, to start the year, and if they do, I mean, there's a legitimate battle for the seventh defenseman slot between um, Adam Clendenning and Nick Sealer. Now, does anybody really care? That that's that's another thing because 
ideally, neither of those guys are actually playing hockey. They're just sitting in the press box and collecting an NHL check, which, like, good for them. Um, but, like, that that battle's going on. There's going to be battles for, you know, extra forward. Like, I think Connor Bunneman has a real good chance of making the team at this point now that – and we'll get into it later. Um, now Tanner Lazinski is probably out for the season. So, like, there's battles going on. To me, if, if you're looking for a potential surprise – and I don't think this is going to happen, but the one thing that they have left the door open a crack for is Tyson Forrester. I mean, he is pretty clearly now the prospect at camp that if there's someone who's going to break the door down, surprisingly, it's probably going to be him. And the reason, I mean, the the, the hard evidence for that is that they gave him the second preseason game. That's important. Like, because you have two, you have, you know, you had the, the game on Tuesday and you have, you have the game today, the game on Thursday. And only two players are getting to play in both, Forster and Nick Sealer. Both are guys. Sealer is obviously a guy who's battling for a spot with, with Clendenning. But Forster, I mean, you don't give a guy that second game unless you're intrigued by him. And I think God, they I are, I think they are intrigued by Forster. I don't think he's going to make the team, but I think that they, they haven't totally ruled it out yet. Like, I don't think Cam York is going to make the team. I don't think Cam York has yeah. stood out enough to them that they feel like they have to give him a bunch of looks. Like, maybe that changes if he has a huge game, you know, tonight on Thursday night. But for him to make the team, he was going to have to jump, like, a Keith Yandel. It's probably a Keith Yandel. Or a Justin Braun if they wanted to really move around the D pairs. He hasn't played well enough to do that, and they're not going to keep him around as the seven because they don't want him to play hockey. So he's probably going to the AHL. Whereas with Forrester, I think I think they're leaving the possibility open that if he has a couple really big preseason games, that they would legitimately consider it. Now, the first game he played on Tuesday, he was fine. I don't think he was bad. He didn't play well enough to make the team. But I think they're thinking, well, you know, okay, he, he impressed us in, in practices. He was okay in the first game. Let's see if the second game he takes a big leap, and then he puts himself really in the conversation. But beyond Forrester, no, I don't think there's going to be too many surprises in terms of roster. Is Forrester small? No. He's like 6'2". So. He is pretty big, I mean, he right? definitely could. He could probably stand to put on a little bit more muscle, but he's not small. Um, well, like all second-year guys. He's a big, he's a biggish guy. Yeah. Well, I, f- I feel like that's the thing that we always hear. Like, with these guys that are kind of like, ooh, he's pretty good. Maybe he should make the team. Oh, no, he can't. He's too skinny. Like, that, that's the thing that happens all the time. No, well, he, he held up in, uh, in the AHL. You know, physically he held up in the AHL. Um, him and Wisdom both did. Obviously, Wisdom is coming off of the uh, the surgery, so he's not a factor in camp. But you know, by by doing well in the AHL, he kind of proved that physically, you know, yeah, he could get he could stand to to bulk up a bit more. But he's not, you know, like for example, Mason Millman. Mason Millman showed up to the AHL last year because the OHL wasn't playing and clearly was not physically ready for the OHL. Like he played some games, but he was getting knocked around. Tyson Forrester was not getting knocked around. He was holding his own in a league of pros. You know, a lot of guys in the, between the ages of, like, 25 and 35. Um, so I, I don't think that's a concern. I think the big concern with Forrester is just pace and obviously the skating. Though I will say that his skating has dramatically improved to my eyes from where it was last January. And the coaches have said that on multiple occasions. That they think it's a lot better, and, and I would have to agree. Nice. Yeah, tight. Tyson Forster, we talked about a week or two ago, like kind of, he had a nice season in the AHL last year, but it got overshadowed by the incredible, uh, incredibly productive start 
that Zade Wisdom got off to. Uh, but Forster had a nice season last year, and Charlie, I pulled this quote out of uh, your observations. Uh, it's from Elaine Vigneault talking about Forster. He said, it's his, first NHL, it's his first NHL game, but so far he hasn't had an issue with following the pace. You can tell he's a shooter. He's got that shoot-first mentality, which is a great attribute to have, so I'm real anxious to see him. Like, the coach is under no obligation to say, I want to see this guy play more, and like, oh, he shoots. I really want that. This is a team that needs to fucking shoot the puck more. We've been saying it for like a decade. Uh, it, it is exciting to have a guy at least on the cusp, and if he even if he doesn't make the team, you know he's in consideration for a call up at some point. If things don't go their way in terms of goal scoring, if they need a trigger man somewhere at some point, like it's not gonna be some guy that you're hoping factors into the fourth line that they call up. It's gonna be a first round pick that they're high on that they think can keep up at this level and is gonna beat goalies with a shot. And that's really good. And to Charlie's point about his skating, like the coach is saying, nah, he's keeping up. He's fine. Yeah. The skating is interesting because, you know, scouts hated his, his stride. That was the reason why he lasted as long as he did, you know, in the, in, in the 2020 draft, it was why the flyers were able to get him. It's why a lot of people even thought the flyers might have reached a little bit to get him, you know, where they did that. He was maybe more of a, a end of the first round, early second round type of prospect rather than a, I think they got him at like 23, 24, something like that. Um, but to my eyes, like his, his stride is definitely choppy. It doesn't look good, but I noticed this at camp and I, I kind of like filed it away because it's hard to tell at, at training camp because you don't know who's going all out. You know, you're you're closer to the uh, to the ice, so it's a little bit harder to, to really gauge you know pace um, in in reps and drills. Um, but it, watching from up top in on Tuesday, watching Forrester, like once he's going, he doesn't look slow. Like I remember how Oscar Lindblom used to look, and he looked slow watching early preseason games when he just got drafted. I know how Matthew Strome looks. Like, he looks slow. Tyson Forrester, when he's moving north-south and when he's got the puck, like, he does he's not like a burner, but he doesn't look slow. The only times he looks slow is, like, right when he's getting going. Like, he definitely, his first couple strides aren't the, um, you know, aren't the quickest. Um, his change of direction isn't the quickest. But a lot of that, truthfully, is just getting, you know, better lower body strength. I mean, just having the ability to push off your strides a little bit stronger, you know, to, um, you know, some of his technique to be sure, you know, you can't have wasted movement and whatnot. But the, the point I'm making is that I expected based on, you know, what scouts have been saying, you know, about how awful his stride is. I expected it to be worse than it was. It's kind of the same way I felt about Wade Allison, where Wade Allison got the he doesn't skate well tag. And you watched him, and you're like, yeah, it doesn't look good. But it kind of works for him. And I kind of get the same feeling from Forrester where sometimes I wonder if scouts can get... Like, they obviously know, you know way, way, way more about the ins and outs of skating technique than I do. But one of the negatives of that, I think, can be is that some scouts can get so locked in on what a guy's doing wrong with his stride in terms of how it looks that they can like almost get fooled into thinking a guy's a worse skater than he is because it doesn't look good, but he still gets from point A to point B as quickly as he needs to. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
No, it's one of them forest trees situation. You're looking at just him rather than the pace of the game that he's keeping up with. Uh, and, hey, man, if that's why he fell in the draft, it works out. How is Matthew Strom still with the organization? The- yeah, <laughs> it makes me laugh. I love. Well, they, I mean, they signed to an entry level contract, I'm, and I'm they, they got they got to play out the string with it, right? Do they? Do they though? I mean, you uh, you can't like just cut the guy. Yeah, he's like he's got. This is his last year of his ELC. I I do not. You never know. Maybe the guy will have a big season and put himself back on the map. But I don't get the sense that he is very likely to get another contract from the Philadelphia Flyers. I'm still I don't think. I just don't think he's an NHL player. It, again, it would be cool if he took a big step forward, but he I haven't seen much to lead me to believe that he's ever going to get over the skating problem. He doesn't appear to be an AHL player. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's no. more of an ECHL guy, which is scary. That's yeah. why he did, in fact, spend time in the ECHL. He did. He spent quite a lot of time in the ECHL. I think he's actually he may have he may have played have played more echl games and ahl games in his professional career i, think I believe he, that i, I think case. that is true yeah yeah so that's not great greenville swamp no rabbits, one baby. fact check charlie never i never do um igor zamula yeah scored the first goal of the preseason everyone knows he's my boy uh listen is he physically developed all the way yet it doesn't seem so but man he isn't from day one he has never looked out of place like, I don't expect him to make the team, but goddamn, he's going to be in the NHL one day. He looks like he can play. He looked yeah. really Listen, good. They let Joel Farabee play when he is skinny as a rail, has no butt, no hockey butt. Like, they can let <clears throat> Igor Zamula play when he's healthy. Yeah, it was funny. I think one time, um, one time uh, I was talking to Brent Flair on the record, and he essentially was like, you know, we know he's skinny. It's like, we know. We literally have trainers following him around with food, trying to get him to eat all the time. Once <laughs> again, Zimula, yes, come yes. on over to Steffer Kelly's house. We got we you, got buddy. You. We can help like, you. As soon as the show, the like, that's incredible. Like, as soon as the show ends, I'm going to have, like, a bagel and two slices of pizza. Like, this is, this is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Put on some goddamn weight. It ain't horrible. Apparently, he eats a lot. It just doesn't, like, he just burns it off immediately. What an answer, I mean, man, that yeah, would be seriously. nice. <laughs> <laughs> like, he already Quite lost. Quite frankly, I find that offensive. He comes over, he comes over to North America and immediately loses the Y in his first name. Like, Jesus Christ, this dude's just got the metabolism. <laughs> Any that joke was well, funnier he, in my head. He's, he's apparently hurt. Um, he was on the, uh, the injured list today. Um, and they, they didn't specify how, you know, how badly he's injured. That said, I mean, he played in the game on Tuesday. He looked fine. We got availability with him after the game. So my guess is it's not super serious, but no, Zamula looks good. I thought he had a good game on Tuesday. Obviously he had the goal, but I thought he made a bunch of decent plays. Um, it's going to be really interesting in my mind. And I know that like they're, they're, they're buddies. And I don't think this is like an active competition, but the, the, the Zamula York thing, because, there aren't a ton of spots left on this defense, and you know, do, is it possible that both could be on the defense long term? Long term, sure, they they could make it work. One of them could move over to the right side or something, but it's just that you wonder if at some point the Flyers are going to have to make a decision as to which of the two is going to be like a new core member of the defense, and which of the two maybe gets shipped out in some type of trade. 
I kind of wonder if that's ever going to come to a head because their their styles are so different. Like York is definitely more of like the um, the do the little things kind of you know more willing to um, not necessarily stand out. Whereas Zamul is a significantly in my mind a more flashy player. Like he's going to more obviously do stuff. Um, that said, the Flyers organization seems to be higher on York than they are Zamula. And I guess part of that wow. might be just because like they York Size. was literally their yeah. well, York was literally their first draft pick. Pedigree. So there's an element there. But I mean, seriously, like, you know, the the, the Fletcher Flair front office, York was the first mm-hmm. guy. And also, I mean, as I'm sure hundreds of people listening to this podcast are internally screaming in their heads because they seem to do it every time the name Cam York is mentioned. They took Cam York over Cole Caulfield. So there's an element of like, we like we have to, we have to prove <laughs> that we weren't totally off by picking York over Caulfield. I regret to inform. It's probably going to be difficult to prove. <laughs> That's that the, like, the right move. Cam York could have a nice career and this could end up being a bad pick. Like, yeah. I, and I don't, I don't wish that upon him. I hope he wins fucking nine Norris trophies. But like, god damn. But in terms of what Charlie was saying, they gotta, man. We had high hopes for a lot of defensemen they've drafted and brought into the organization over the years. Um, wait on that to play out, I'd say, before making a move. Or you know what? Fuck it, sell high on one of them because. God damn, how many of these dudes just never reach their potential? Um, all of them. So it's <laughs> I, I mean for real like hey, maybe no, maybe Ivan we always expect more. You're right. No, I mean maybe Ivan Provorov with Ryan Ellis will finally be that guy that we've seen flashes of and we think maybe that's him, but uh, shit, none of these dudes have been what we've expected so far, so uh we'll see about that. Now Charlie alluded to this a few minutes ago. One last thing with the current roster battles before we move on. The Tanner Lazinski injury. Um, kind of a bummer. He was in the mix for, you know, that bottom six, fourth line spot. Uh, I, I liked what I saw out of him in, in limited action uh, throughout his career. Connor Bunneman has more of a chance now. How does this impact the roster? Yeah, this is a bummer. I, I've always been a Lazinski fan, and it, it sucks because... It's just it, it really sucks for the kid because he wasn't he wasn't injury prone in college. Like he played a lot of games, he got banged up a couple of times, sure, but he wasn't missing like dramatic stretches of time. And ever since the Flyers signed him to his entry level contract, he just keeps getting hurt. Like he was hurt to start last year's training camp. He obviously then had the uh, the labrum, the hip surgery after the season which cut his you know his first professional season short now it looks like he's having another hip surgery on the other hip and it sucks because like I don't I don't know if I would call him injury prone he just had like a really really rough last 18 months in terms of injuries and the problem for him is that he's not young like he's 24 he's gonna be yeah. if he misses this entire season which which seems like a legitimate possibility he's gonna be 25 at next year's camp I With imagine no the resume. Flyers will yeah, like I imagine the Flyers will re-sign him because this is this is the last year of his entry level. I imagine the Flyers will re-sign him because he'll be an RFA and why not? But he's he'll be 25 without any real NHL resume and he'll have an entirely new set of prospects much younger than him pushing for a spot. I mean, if Tyson Forrester doesn't make the team this year, he's going to have a damn good chance to make the team next year. 
Noah Cates will probably sign. Zade Wisdom will be in the mix. Like, there are going to be guys who could very easily push Tanner Lazinski into a relevancy in this organization. Really, no fault of Tanner Lazinski's, just that this year, in my mind, this year was his year. This was his year. This yeah. was his opportunity to carve out an NHL role. And now it looks like it's finished before it even started. And I don't know where he's going to stand next season. So it sucks because I believe in the skill set. I believe in the player. I think he's going to be good or he would have been good. But now you're wondering, like, is it going to happen in Philly? Because suddenly you're a 25-year-old prospect with basically no NHL experience. And you were a sixth-round pick to begin with. Like, I don't know where he's going to stand come next training camp. At 25, are you still a prospect? Like, it's a I very get, good question. I get like he hasn't come close to reaching any sort of potential yet, and we don't know because he hasn't like he's barely played. But like, fuck at twenty five, like dudes are exiting their prime. Some of them at twenty five. Yeah. Like, like yeah. you know, he's almost reached unrestricted free agency at that point, and he hasn't. He's barely exactly. played. Um. All right, so exactly. let's move on. I mean that that that's the risk you that's the risk yeah. though that you take. I mean, and he I mean he wanted the Flyers would have signed him way earlier. He yeah. wanted to graduate college and props to him. He wanted to get a degree. I mean, that's that was his thing. I want to get a degree. I want to get a degree. And the problem with that for him now is that he spent 4 years in college and now he's older and he probably could have started started his professional career 2 years earlier and maybe not run into these issues. So, I mean, I hope it works out for him because he seems like a good kid and as I said, I like the skill set, I believe in the talent, but this is this has been a rough last 18 months for him and I don't know where it's going to position him in the organization when he's finally healthy again. What's his degree in? I Anyone have no know? idea. Yeah, I like like sure, if he if he has like a business degree or something good for him, but like if he's like an athlete with a general studies degree or something, and he's like, "Oh, I need to finish this," like, wait, what the what the fuck's your problem? Like, are we what, pretending what? that business degrees are good? I, I don't know what's hold I, the phone. I don't hold up here, you <laughs> judgmental pieces of shit with English and journalism <laughs> degrees. I'm Thank saying, you. Those are I'm very saying, useful. I'm saying mine's Hello? pointless. <laughs> I, I'm saying mine is pointless. I don't know what's a useful degree and what isn't. I'm just saying if it's in like... (laughs) I have a history degree, so (laughs) go me. Super useful. I have a journalism degree. We're all doing great. I have a journalism degree. There's one journalist on this show and it ain't me. I have a history history degree and I have a political communications degree and I use neither of them. Uh, uh, I have a marketing degree. Who knows? Yeah, and I manage brands. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back on the other side. We're going to talk some uh, Carter Hart. That's right. Carter Hart. Who? The baby shark. All right. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. All right, fam. We are back. Carter Hart has played 40 minutes of action so far in this preseason. He stopped 17 of 18 shots. Uh, he allowed the one goal. Kind of a, like, well-timed wrist shot just as a forward. A little bit jumped in front of him to take away his eyes. Aisles were set up and moving the puck a bit. Um, He looked pretty good. He looked steady. Nothing out of this world, but that's what you get with Carter Hart. Just good, steady, solid goaltending. Did he do anything in one preseason game, 40 minutes, not even a whole game, to maybe raise your confidence level or put you a little bit at ease. I know we all say we're confident that Carter Hart's going to be what we expect him to be, or at least 
a competent, good starting goaltender, if not a superstar. But we live in Philadelphia, where guys are supposed to be something, like, I don't know, Carson Wentz or Aaron Nola or Ben Simmons, and then they uh, actually fucking suck. So, as confident as we can project outwardly, there's always a little bit of negativity, um, pessimism. How you feeling about Carter Hart going into this year? So, for me, it's not like he did anything spectacular, but he wasn't a disaster. Which and is important that's because he was he was an absolute disaster last season. So, you know, baseline, we're already starting from a better place. Also, the thing that he's always seemed to be so good at is tracking the puck. And that, I think, was very obviously not happening last season. For whatever reason, he just wasn't doing it. And you could see him in this broadcast. Like, you could see him tracking the puck in the way that I think we were used to Carter Hart doing it. So, not being a disaster, coupled with appearing to have recaptured his fundamental talents, for me, was enough to be like, okay, we're probably going to be fine here. Like, maybe he's not going to be lights out, but... If we just start from a place of average goaltending, we're already winning. So I was pretty happy with it. I thought he just looked like running the mill Carter Hart. And yeah. I, I say that in like the most positive terms possible yeah. in, in that he looked like the Carter Hart who makes tough saves look easier than they are and just kind of is there. And, you know, you're confident that he's probably going to stop the puck. That guy was not there for most of last season, particularly the second half. Um, so I was quietly enthused. And it's certainly the, the big thing for Hart, too, is that, like, imagine what would have happened if he would have had a bad game. Like, oh, my God. Even, no. even though preseason really that, doesn't matter. But, like, that's the thing. So, like, he was in a position where. Yeah. Yes, it's preseason. Yes, it doesn't matter. But if he would have flopped, if he would have given up four goals in two periods, all that talk would have came back. Like, oh, God, yep. he's still bad. This yep. is going to be a disaster. He's ruined. It's another, you know, Phillies, another Carson Wentz situation, whatever, in Philadelphia. You know, Ben Simmons, all the all the guys who we are, you know, trusting that are good and then turn out to be bad. Um So it was very good, I think, for the narrative standpoint of Carter Hart to have a solid first game, to basically be like, yeah, I'm I, I, I'm thinking I'm back. And we'll see how the season plays out. You know, maybe he won't, but maybe he won't have a good year. But this was a good start, and it certainly, you know, headed off those criticisms and those concerns in a, in a big way, and I think that was important. I keep saying, people, you know, come up to me, oh, what's up with the Flyers this year? And I'll say, basically, the season's all about him. Um, now, sh like, listen, the defense has to be better than last year. They have to stay healthy. Guys have to take a step forward. We need Joel Farabee to be what he was and more. We need Sean Couturier to be Sean Couturier. We need all the things to fall into place. Kevin Hayes has to be what he was the first season, not the second season. All this shit is true. But when it comes down to it, this is a sport where you go as far as your goalie takes you. Is this year all about Hart more so than, like, other goalies? Like, I, I just said, 
you go as far as your goalie takes you, but this team, it seems like everything is going to kind of be what we expect, I think. And then the biggest question mark is this goaltender. Like, if he is what he was his you know, first two seasons or whatever in the league, thumbs up. They're going to make a playoff run. If he is what he was last year, we aren't going to miss the playoffs and be in the lottery again. Like, is that... Is that what we're looking at? I mean, kind of. Like, I, th- I think it's and it's mostly because like he wasn't just, you know, sub average last season. No, like, he was the worst goalie in hockey in in like twenty years. Like absurdly bad, like comically bad almost now in retrospect. But I think that is the reason why you kind of look at it and you say like, well, it has to be on Carter Hart. Not in the sense that you need Carter Hart to be the best goaltender in the league. You need Carter Hart to just be be average. Like, we just need to confirm that that disaster was not at all a reflection of what he is actually going to look like over the course of his career. Which I think, like, logically, you know it's not. But also, like, you don't really know it's not. Like, it could be. But that, probably not. I think another reason why Hart it feels so important that Carter Hart bounce back for the Flyers is the Flyers' choice of backup goalie. Yes. Like if the if if the Flyers would have went out and they would have you know saved enough cap space over the course of their offseason to have signed like Jonathan Bernier to a two three year deal, I I wouldn't feel the same way of like Hart needs to bounce back because I could have in my head like yeah okay well if Hart struggles again like Bernier is pretty good and, and maybe he could step in and give us you know nine ten save percentage hockey yeah. and keep your keep yeah like keep keep the Flyers in the mix instead they got Martin Jones who has also been one of the worst starters in hockey for the last three years. So, yeah. like, is it is it possible that Martin Jones bounces back? You know, you put him with Dillaball, he has it's a reclamation project, I think. Yeah, it's possible, but I'm not betting on it. Like, I'm more confident that Carter Hart, much more confident that Carter Hart can have a bounce back year than I am that Martin Jones is going to have a bounce back year. So, that puts even more pressure in my mind on, like, Carter Hart better have the bounce back year because I don't, like... Anything's possible in hockey. Martin Jones isn't that old. Maybe he's better in a tandem backup role and better now that he's got Dillaball whispering in his ear. But, like, I'm not banking on that. So Carter better be better. <laughs> I have a, just real quick. Did Brian Elliott find a job anywhere? Yeah, he's back up in Tampa. Tampa. Oh, son of oh, a bitch. Good, Good for him. him. Good for him, right? Uh, just real him. quick, since you brought up Dillaball, um, Yo and Tarion get quite a bit of criticism people are already trying to fire them one preseason game in uh yes how come (laughs) i i I mean like not already like going back to last year it just never stopped is it just because goalies are voodoo and none of us like like we don't know about goalie coaching so we don't like is that why he kind of escapes the criticism that the other ones do just because goalie is like a foreign position to most well I was just going to say that, like, we kind of, over the course of the offseason, learned what Carter Hart's problem was, and it doesn't sound like it had anything to do with coaching. He right. was well, fucked in the head. I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, look, I, I actually, and I don't have anything against Kim Dillaball, but I was surprised at how little criticism that Dillaball got last year for the collapse of Carter Hart. 
because he didn't fix it. That's for sure. It is kind of the goalie coach's job to figure out what's wrong with the goalie yeah. and address it. And he didn't. I mean, you could say that there was other things going on, and there were. I mean, Hart's been open about the fact that, you know, he struggled mentally with the challenge of the pandemic, and there's not much a goalie coach can really do for that. But there were technical issues with his game that Hart did not fix. Maybe he kind of started fixing them at the end, but that was after the entire month of March was just lit on fire. And that's on the goalie coach. And, and the thing with Dillaball that's interesting to me is that, you know, all the other coaches— were brought in like Vino Fletcher. Dillaball's yeah. a holdover. And that's interesting to me that he stuck around because I kind of wondered, like I legitimately wondered if they were going to toss Dillaball aside as like the sacrificial lamb because he mm. wasn't Fletcher's guy. The goalies were bad. And it was like, well, now we can bring in our guy. We can fill out the coaching staff entirely with our guys. Well, they kept Dillaball. So they clearly think highly of him. So there's that. But I do believe that, you know, I was surprised that Dillaball didn't get more criticism for not being able to fix Carter Hart because it is his job to fix the goalies. It's actually his job. I think it's also because, like, as fans, like we don't ever see the goalie coach. And there's not yeah. really a whole lot of, like, you know, playmaking strategy that you see from a goalie coach. Like, it's easy for us as fans to sit at home and see that the power play looks like shit for X, Y, and Z reasons. Like, we can see it with our eyes. With a goalie coach, you know, it's hard to know if he's, like, working on Carter Hart's glove hand. Like, who the fuck knows? Like, we can't see that with our eyes. So I think that's no. probably why, yeah. fan-wise, he doesn't get a ton of criticism. Because we just, like, we don't see it. When the penalty kill is passive and everyone's just kind of standing around, it's like, oh, fucking fire Mike Yo. Like, when... Claude Giroux set up on the right side and there's no one-timer option. It's like, fucking fire Michelle Therrien. Because we're unfamiliar with the goalie position, for the most part, as a fan base, it's like, I don't, like Kelly just said, like, I don't know. Like, we can see what they're doing wrong when there's no one-timer option on the power play whatsoever. When the goalie is just like, yeah, another goal went in through his armpit. What's the problem here? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, the goalie stinks. We don't right. blame the coach. Even though, like, I, right. I, I doubt yeah. I yeah, doubt the true. defensive coach is telling, like, oh, yeah, just lay there and starfish, Andrew. <laughs> like, it's fine. Like, I doubt that they practice that. But since it's happening on the penalty kill, we blame the penalty kill. Like, uh, I, I, you know, that's just my thing. But yeah. I, I was just wondering. Like, since, we blamed. Yeah. We blame Peter Mrazek for not being able to turn left. Yeah, what like, was that goalie coach that we had before that everybody fucking loved? That got fired. Uh, Who was that? Reese. The one, Reese. Yeah, Reese. Jeff. Yeah, Jeff Reese. I should get him back for reasons. <laughs> for reasons. All right. Uh, now it's is he time... still with Dallas? Who can say? <laughs> I, he used to, I think he used to be the, the goalie coach with Dallas. I think he still is. That's where he ended that up. That sounds after, familiar. Uh, they have yeah. a pretty good goaltender, so that's interesting. They do. He seems like a pretty good goalie coach. All right, now let's get into the uh, the reason why everybody's here to talk about the motherfucking goal song. Um, hey, uh, they ran out two tester, they ran out two tester songs. Of course, they could have you know tried some more. I guess if they'd scored more than two goals, mm. but we got a couple, and I got to tell you. I don't think these are going to end up being the goal songs, but 
I enjoyed them. I like that they're going a little outside the box. I like that it's a little different. What did we think of the two test songs? So I, I like viscerally didn't like them as soon as I heard them. The second one, um, what's it called a uh, hot stepper. That one was better yeah. than Tarzan Boy. But that was um, great. I Mary legitimately no, see, like kind of support that one. I know because of the wrestling, but no, no, no. <laughs> Mary Clark on Twitter made front of the pot, Mary Clark. She made a very good point, which I didn't pick up on initially, was that both of them are too slow. The beats per minute on both of those is too slow. And we need like a, a more like pumpy song. I, I really liked Hot Stepper. I thought that was a fucking great pick. That was better I than Tarzan. Say, I will say, like, depending on what part they want to use, like. I don't know if the crowd should be chanting murderer in a uh, city that's going to hit like 500 homicides. Um, <laughs> just Fair. a thought. Just a thought. But uh, like, nah, 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 nah. Like, I think that's good. Uh, Tarzan Boy was fine. Um, it's not, but, it's too chill. Uh, no, I, I don't think that should be the choice. But a Hot Stepper, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with. I don't think it's going to end up being the, the song. The only logical answer is whoop, there it is. Correct. Once again, Stephanie is correct in her analysis. Like, instead of the na 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 na, you could do, you know, oh god, my brain just stopped moving in any type of direction. Oh, Someone sing, whoop, there it is. Whoop, there it is. It's literally the name of the song. Whoop, <laughs> there it is. The the other part. Oh, the shaka laka, shaka laka, shaka laka. Doing what that if they would did, be so much fun. What if they do did scoop? There it is. Because really, chaka laka, chaka laka. That might be the greatest song of the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh Charlie over here with his goddamn. No, in all honesty, I didn't. I didn't dislike either of the songs. I think I they're they interesting choices. I thought they were fine. I mean, it's like they're they're clearly going the fun route. Yes. Which, I mean, that seems like what you guys wanted anyway. Yes. That's um, true. So, I mean, if that's the direction they're going, then sure. I mean, they were both, I thought they were both fun. But Hot Stepper, to me, was more fun because yeah. it was it was one of those. The, the difference between the two, in my mind, was that Hot Stepper is a song that, like, even if you don't know that the song, like, the name of that song, you know that song. Like, everyone has heard that song. Yes. It's a recognizable thing. Whereas, like, the other one, it seems like unless you're a wrestling fan, you didn't hear that song. Yes, a lot of the youths had no idea what the fuck that was. Which, fair. <laughs> if you're a wrestling fan, if it's like your favorite song fan. ever. It's a very obscure one if you if you don't watch the wrestling. I Listen, I'm... I love wrestling, and that's not my <laughs> We pick. know, Bill. That's there are not better wrestling pick. songs. There are quite <laughs> if we're a few. We're gonna do a wrestling song. There are quite yeah, some, a few. Somebody, somebody tweeted at me. What if they did the John Cena song, which would be hilarious? What I is mean, the John Cena? I have Cena no song? idea what you people are talking Any about. Any of John Cena's songs are great. That's a an excellent hip hop album of the early two thousands. I mean, my God, oof! What a great, <laughs> what a great record that was. Uh, so tonight's game is in. When's their next home game? Are they gonna like all? Is are we gonna know what the goal song is before opening night? Unless they start scoring no. a whole bunch of goals, I don't think so. I don't even know if we're gonna hear it because I I agree with you. I don't. No, think I'm it's sure they'll to. reveal it on during the home opener. Yeah, like I mean, that's the when the Flyers score their first goal of the regular season. Will that be when we find out what the goal song is? 
Yes, absolutely. Without question. But I'm saying, like, I don't – they're testing out these songs. I don't even know if we're going to get enough goals scored at home during the preseason to even, like, accidentally get to hear it because, you know, mm. the Flyers. Well, by, but, by your theory, Kelly, it's already decided. Correct. Yes. So I these could all just be – These could all just be, like, something to throw us off the scent. Could be. I mean, friend of the pod, Sean Coit, has suggested that they have not yet picked it. But he could just be doing red herrings so that we don't know that they already picked it. Kelly, insider Hinkle. No, he said it on he, on Twitter. <laughs> they didn't pick it. So it was. He said, those goddamn BSH people trying to point us, trying to paint me in a bad light. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing that I was thinking of, because it seems like what their idea is, is that they're going to be revealing options mm-hmm. over the course of preseason every time there's a goal scored in preseason. It would be very, very funny to me if, like, the Flyers, because the Flyers have two more home preseason games, if the Flyers just didn't score Get shut out. <laughs> <laughs> it would be extremely uh, Flyers. That's... You know what I need, though? I, I tweeted about this. I don't even care about the goal song. I need them to bring back public service announcement as they're come out on the ice song. Oh yeah, that is good. It's, I, it's a great, Charlie, it's a you great have opener. that guy's number. Could you text him? I don't, yeah, but I don't know if he's still doing it. Oh, I actually have to, I have to get, I have to get in contact because he wasn't there the entirety of last year. Mm. They just didn't have a DJ. Mm-hmm. They just, they used like a, a playlist and that's it. Um, my guess is they probably will try to get him back because there are now going to be fans in the stands, yeah. you know, at 100% capacity. That would be the smart thing. But I haven't, I haven't checked with him in a while, so I'll, uh, I'll figure that out. My goal was to get him to DJ my wedding before we had to, you know, have a COVID wedding. I really wanted to get him. <laughs> that would have been it. amazing. I thought, I thought that would have been the, you know, professional DJ. Why wouldn't he do that? <laughs> but I am torn, though. Like it would be really funny if they didn't score just so we didn't hear the goal song options. However, man, I'm I'm not on Facebook, so that's cool. But even Twitter, I don't know if I could deal with the discourse. Like, would it be worth it? There's going to be so much discourse no matter what happens. That's true. Yeah, people are it's, already it's upset about one. People are already upset about the first preseason game, which they lost in overtime. So, I mean... It is what it is. Uh, the discourse is ongoing. It will never end. Charlie, do you have a pick slightly. yet? Do you have a goal really, song pick no. yet? Oh, this uh, this no, guy. No. Charlie can't is above nail him goal down on anything. <laughs> Charlie's above. <laughs> Charlie goal takes music too seriously to to do something as frivolous as pick a goal. But song. that's I, he he takes music seriously, so he should have like a cemented choice. Because I don't have, like, one song that I think absolutely has to be. I mean, you know, there's there's a ton of cool songs you could use. And plus, like, there's not one that just jumps out at me as being, like, this is a, a crowd participation song that I also like as a song. Mm-hmm. See? He takes it too seriously. That's all I'm saying. All right. What else do we got? Anything else that is worth talking yeah. about? I've run out of things to talk about. I forgot that Clendenning was a Flyers until this show. My yeah, brain Clendenning is indeed a Flyers. My brain always I makes keep him seeing into Glendenning, which would be better. Yes. Well, yeah, that's another guy. I keep seeing Jesus. Uh, 
Clendenning. I was like, yeah, what, what, I did just, what did we just say was right and wrong now? I'm when we got him, I was like, did somebody, did they spell it wrong? Like when we got him, because I forgot Glenn, that he existed. The 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 Clendenning Glendenning thing is is funny. It's I mean, much. neither of them are that good. No. Although no. USA Hockey believes that Luke Glendenning is is actually great. We're not um, talking about USA Hockey. Fair, um, but yeah, I mean Adam Clendenning. Adam Clendenning is just like a guy. Uh, you know, he's he's an offensive defenseman who will probably get a couple games when guys get injured this year. I mean, he's nothing special. But I mean, you need guys like that. You need guys you can throw in. Um, you know, in a pinch. And I'm sure he'll be good in the AHL. Um, so, I mean, he's just a dude. Uh, that, you know, this is these are the kind of, like, as I said, you know, yeah. we're talking about Nate. We're talking about Sealer. Like, he's basically just like Nate Prosser, but probably a little bit better. Remember when Nate Prosser scored? That was great. I mean, great dude. Yeah. He's just, you know, he's just a quad A player at this stage of his career. I mean, it's, there's not there's no shame in that. He, he had some, some good NHL years, and now he's older, and now he's more of just a, a filler type. Sealer's so kind of some... the same way. Just some housekeeping. I think we do like a full ice sport preview next week, and we kind of get into points totals and division winners and shit like that. And yeah, uh, then, like, then like it's the season, guys. We man, this flew. The, like usually, uh-huh. it's it's a crawl to the season, but here we are. It's uh, it's Flyers season. The Phillies are gonna probably wrap everything up tonight, and uh. We'll be all systems go here in Philadelphia. The Eagles have already blown it. It's over. They need to start looking for everything else. Uh, Sixers, they might not even play. So here we are. Here we are. Now, they're going to play. I... Here we are. All right. Uh, that's it. That is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. Hit subscribe and bang. Content, content, content. Season starting. You know what that means. Checking out the competition, post games, uh, the forecast, all that shit, uh, and more. Of course, fly Perbole, this show, all sorts of things we're going to come up throughout the season. You will not need to go anywhere else for your Flyers content. Maybe BroadStreetHockey.com. Maybe the old athletic. Give it a look. Uh, try to get one of them discounts, though. Don't pay full price. That's crazy talk. Um, sorry, Chuck. All right, that's it. My name is Bill Matz. For Charlie, for Kelly, for Steph, have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!